It's been a really enjoyable NBA season so far. We realize that some of that enjoyment can be traced back to a moment that happened three years ago. In December 2011, Chris Paul became a Laker for about 45 minutes. It was a three-team trade. Lakers, Hornets, Rockets. Kyle Gasol to Houston. Goran Dragic, Kevin Martin, Louis Scola, Lamar Odom, Kim Kardashian, and a first-rounder to New Orleans. CP3 to the Lakers. Cue up Showtime 2.0. Nicholson would have been so happy. Okay, so what if David Stern didn't veto the trade? Let's see where those dominoes scatter. Houston can't make 2012's James Harden trade, not enough assets. Harden stays in OKC, and the Thunder might have a title or three. No Harden in Houston means no Dwight in Houston. So I think Dork Elvis works for Grantland right now. Does Dwight jump to Dallas in 2013? Does he stay with Kobe and CP3 in L.A.? Would we be calling them the big three? Toronto gets Steve Nash, not Kyle Lowry, so they're a lottery team. Where does Kyle Lowry go? 2012 New Orleans wins 40-plus games, so they're not getting the number one pick. Meaning no Anthony Davis in New Orleans. He could be carrying Charlotte or Washington right now. No Dragic in Phoenix. No Eric Bledsoe either. He's still a Clipper. No fun for Phoenix, basically. And Lob City never happens without CP3. So the Clips don't fetch $2 billion, And maybe Doc just stays in Boston. Maybe Brad Stevens never comes to the NBA. Maybe Brooklyn doesn't trade for KG and Pierce. Maybe Boston doesn't get all those Brooklyn picks. Or maybe Doc Rivers jumps to the Lakers. CP3, Kobe, Dwight, and Doc? Maybe Kobe doesn't break down in 2013. Maybe we're headed for a Lakers-Cavs finals right now. Maybe the Lakers would have a present and a future. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Dominoes. Welcome to the Grantland Basketball Hour, presented by the U.S. Postal Service. Here's Bill and Jalen. Welcome to Grantland Basketball Hour. I'm Bill Simmons. He's Jalen Rose. Jalen's bat will be joining us later. So will Ryan Russell and Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport is so angry about the Knicks, he might commit a homicide. I'm a little scared of him. Are you ready to give the people what they want? We got to give the people. What do we got to give them? Give the people what they want. Now we don't have an audience to applaud this time. <laughs> we liquidated the audience. But uh, we're ready to launch a new segment called The Big Three, which is in honor of the greatest Big Three ever, Bird, McHale, and Parrish. Of course, Laker fans say it's Magic Creamworthy. Chicago fans say it's Rodman, Scotty, and, and MJ. Detroit fans might say it's Monroe, Jennings, and Smith. Oh, that's just wrong. I'm sorry. That was wrong. Who plays for uh, Boston these days? I, oh, no, okay. Nobody good either. But oh here's gosh. the big three of relevant NBA storylines that matter right now. I think the first one, we must have been Golden State, right? Absolutely. They're playing terrific basketball. Steph Curry, MVP candidate, improved defensively. It's a show nightly on League Pass watching the Golden State Warriors. Is this the most entertaining League Pass team since the Nash Suns, which you played on for about 10 seconds? Absolutely. And the thing about their team is normally the run-and-shoot team that makes a lot of threes and is exciting on the offensive end isn't tough defensively. They were able to do that as well, but they got to keep Bogut healthy, who's out indefinitely right now with an injury. And they're scrambling around. They also got really lucky, and I think sometimes we forget luck matters with the NBA. They got lucky twice because... People actually thought they should have traded Clay Thompson and David Lee for Kevin Love. And I think now if you look back at that, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I'd rather have Clay Thompson. And he fits in with what they do better. So there's luck one. Luck two, Steve Kerr could have taken the Knicks job. And how miserable would he be? Oh, my God. Steve Kerr made a terrific move, obviously, by not going to New York for obvious reasons. He took over a team that was already in the playoffs. Kind of like when Phil Jackson took over in Chicago for Doug Collins. He had a young Michael Jordan, the team that made it to the conference finals. Golden State has a bunch of young players who are all working together to improve at the same time. 
it was an easy decision. And Coach Avery said this on, on your contact show, actually, that one of the best things he did, he brought Iguodala off the bench, which, you know, Iguodala is still at the tail end of his prime. That's a big ego thing for him to do. He got Draymond uh, Green playing better. He got Harrison Barnes playing better. Draymond Green, is he like a $12 million a year player next year? He's a free agent. I think he's going to be a free agent in demand, and I've right. heard that said by JVG, who I respect, but I don't necessarily agree with that. Here's why. Because when you pay a power forward that kind of money, that means he's your starting power forward. Right. I mean, he has to But he actually, might be a power forward, though. I think when you put him with Harrison Barnes and the versatility of Klay Thompson, the size of Livingston coming in off the bench, the versatility of Iguodala, the shooting of their backcourt, now you could put him at the power forward. But just in a vacuum, if you put him on the New York Knicks right now as their power forward and he was making $12 million. He'd be their best player. But would he make much of a difference? No, he wouldn't. And... You know, I think you saw the Memphis game this week where Zebo just kind of bullied him down low, and that's, that's where you get into trouble. Like, Draymond Green on power forward, as a power forward is great until you have that one game where you have Zebo and he's fired up. So I think every team has a little bit of an Achilles heel, but I think the thing that stands out for me when I watch Golden State, and Zach Lowe wrote about this on Grayland this week. Hello. There's a camaraderie. They're just the way they play. You can kind of see it. It's one of those things you know when you see it, like when you're on a date with a couple. And you're just like, oh, they like each other. Like, you can see it. With the Warriors, like, and I'm not just talking about the Instagram videos and the stuff they're doing. Like, that, that makes it clear that they get along off the court. Just the way they play, they're so unselfish. And they pull for each other. And the bench is standing. And when you think about Steve Kerr, like, he played on the Bulls. But then he played on that Spurs team with Robinson and Duncan, all those guys. The best chemistry team just about the last 12 years. And you can feel it on that team. But also, here's an asterisk when you talk about Golden State. They don't make it to the Western Conference Finals and or achieve a lot of their goals without a healthy David Lee and without a healthy Andrew Bogut. Right. And it's going to be crucial if they can't get those guys to be healthy and those guys have a litany of injuries in their history and I don't see those guys being people that you can rely on consistently at this point of their career, where does it end up for Golden State if those guys aren't able to go? Yeah, Andrew Bogut, if he stays healthy, I think is his official name. Let's talk about one of the most shocking storylines. James Harden at the 25-game mark has been the NBA's most valuable player. Not LeBron, not Davis, not Stephen Curry, not CP3, not Kendrick Perkins. James Harden. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Check out this resume. I didn't realize this until we were looking it up this week. 26 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. That's the club. Those are all the players in the history league who's done that. And he's actually edging closer to, to 27 points a game. Uh, I think we both agree he's the most valuable player right now through 25 games. Is he the best offensive player in the league, which is a different discussion? He's the second best offensive player in the game. You know what? I take that back. He's the third best. Third best? Absolutely. You're forgetting about a guy named Kevin Durant who's led this league in scoring four times and is the reigning MVP. Yeah, but right now, in this moment, what Harden's doing for Houston, you got to hand it to him. Kevin Durant's the best offensive player in the league. The second best offensive player in the league is Steph Curry, who can shoot threes off a dime in transition. He can play on the ball. He can play off the ball. And James Harden is third because, remember, Harden doesn't play off the ball, and he doesn't need to based on those numbers you just showed. Well, what Harden is doing, Howard's missed 12 games, which is incredible. But what Harden's doing, I feel like we kind of are responsible a little bit. <laughs> uh, I had this theory about Internet victims, which is something that's happened, I think, the last five, six years. You have all the message boards, places like NBA Reddit, sports bloggers, and it's just this Twitter, constant dialogue about players and their deficiencies. And, they, and we pick players apart. 
We do it with Rudy Gay. We do it with Boogie Cousins. Kyle Lowry's too moody. James Harden doesn't play defense. Actually, it seems like he's a little bit aware of it, and I wonder if it made him a better player. Watch this Foot Locker commercial that he did. Of course I'm going to go. Oh, wouldn't I go? Okay. No need to get defensive. Defensive? You're calling me defensive? I'm never defensive. Ask around. I'm the last person you'll ever see being defensive. So this is a, a so there's a, there's a meme. My dad calls these memes. Uh, there's some memes, and the internet was really mean to James Harden. And now you watch him this year, and he's suddenly a two-way player. The internet, you retired basically in 2007. The internet was I'm going, so but it wasn't it wasn't what it is now. Can public perception and, and digs and all that stuff, can that actually affect somebody's destiny as a player? Absolutely. This is the information age. First off, if you have 20,000 tweets and only 100 followers, you shouldn't be sending anything negative, first off. Or just delete your I'll say you may comments. be a serial killer. Absolutely, right. number one. But number two, players pay attention to what happens in social media. They listen to the voices of the fans. And all of a sudden, that perception becomes your reality. But also, James Harden was a poor defensive player. Really poor. Absolutely. Like there were multiple gifts and of also, him just doing the matador. Ole! For everybody that wants to judge players only by analytics, here's a stat you can stuff in your Christmas stocking. Mm. He's number two in the entire NBA in defensive efficiency. Ooh. Now that's a mockery. All right, now explain to me how they calculate defensive efficiency. I do not know. <laughs> I know opponents against him also are shooting 35%, which is tops in the league. Well, he has improved. He is working on that end. You know, talking about the internet and how it could affect guys, I, I doubt you were on the internet when I had a column in 2003, <laughs> but let's see, what, what did I write about you? Jalen Rose, not quite good enough to carry his own team, just competitive enough to sabotage things if he is the number one guy. And yes, I'm disappointed. Just think, if you had read my column back then, you would have averaged 30 points a game. How about this? I'm going to show the Simmons guy. How about this as a journalist? You forgot that I just led a team in scoring and went to the NBA Finals and I averaged 23 points. Now you want to pile on me when I get traded to play with Eddie Curry and Robinson? Really? Can I apologize? That's <laughs> all love. All right, I love you too, bro. But for the, uh, but, but for the players out there, that's why you yeah. can't take it personal. Yeah. Um, so, last thing about Harden, where does he rank on the all-lefty list? It's Russell and Robinson, I think. Chris Mullins on there. But does he have a chance to surpass Manu as the, the two-guard on the all-lefty, all-time team? He does, and this is what makes this distinct. There are teams in this league that don't have a left-handed player on their roster. Only about 10% of the entire NBA is left-handed. Right. So, yes, he has a chance to move into that class. I have you on the team as the champagne and campaign coordinator. I'll do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Just hang out, make sure everybody has a good time. <laughs> Saving the best for last. Wow, we have a major trade in the NBA. It looks like Dallas has acquired Rajon Rondo from the Boston Celtics. They gave up Dirk Nowitzki, Tyson. Oh, wait. They gave up Brandon Wright and a number of pick. <laughs> what is happening, Jalen? That's how I felt when the Raptors traded Vince Carter for Aaron and Eric Williams. In Alonzo Mourning. Yeah, yeah, they got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that work out? <sighs> oh, no. for you and your no, Celtics. No, no, don't, no. Uh, but, I mean, he was leaving anyway. He was getting... He was getting <laughs> <laughs> now we're with you. Celtics. <laughs> now I can't make business jokes. <laughs> right, the Boston Buddy jokes, Network... At it again. What is that? What do they have in common, Danny Ainge and Rick Carlisle? Oh, they played together in Boston. The 86 Celtics. What did McHale and Ainge have in common? They played on the same team as well. I don't like what you're insinuating. (laughs) I'm happy for Dallas. I'm happy for Rick Carlisle. This legitimately. You're not happy for me. I'm not happy for you at all. Yeah. 
This is bad because for me. Because this is going to be bad for your season tickets and all of that stuff. Well, here's the problem. I watch an inordinate amount of Celtics games because I really have no life. And Rondo, who I've watched his entire career, he's the last, the last two years, he's been playing like a guy who didn't want to get hurt. He's certainly not a guy who's like balls to the walls, reckless, just going all out because he's got this next contract coming. He's going to go to Dallas and he's going to be awesome. He's a guy that anytime the Celtics were on national TV or in the playoffs, he, he always rose to the occasion. Now he's on this team. It's perfect for him. And you also took a negative spin like teams do when they trade a player. Right. Did, you, you, did you notice what, what is you did? What's a negative spin? What's oh, he didn't really play all out. He wasn't competing on the defensive end. But when he goes to Dallas, he's going to be great. He's always been great. Well, if my girlfriend just broke up with me, I wouldn't be like, oh, I wish her the best. I'd be like, yeah, she's a little. Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't care if she traded down. Now, if she upgraded, that's something else. Well, like now, Ray Allen did when he left Boston to go to Miami. Here's the thing. He upgraded. Because I'm a good person. Rondo helped us win the 2008 title. I'm going to root for him in Dallas. Good for I'm going to root for Paul Pierce in Washington. I root for people that brought me titles. I think he's going to be excellent. And I cannot believe that Dallas got Tyson Chandler and Rajon Rondo without giving up really a major asset. I like Brandon Wright. Brandon Wright's never played more than 20 minutes in a game. I mean, per game in a, in a season. Like he, We don't know if he can play 35 minutes a game. He can run, jump, and dunk. He leads the league in field goal percentages, not because he's posting up. And I do think he's a young talent, but I would have expected the Boston Celtics to get more right. for Rajon Rondo. Well, the market said otherwise. Uh, well, we know Rondo is the NBA's most unique point guard. More valuable know. ticket. Philadelphia or Celtics for the rest of the season. I'm reading an intro off a teleprompter. I'm loving that the Celtics going to stink. Uh, did yes. you know Dallas I'm so the happy I took Montrose over me. Yes. I'm reading an intro. Uh, did you know MB- Dallas runs the NBA's most unique offense? Grantland Zach Lowe explains. Hello. All offenses force defenses to make choices. The truly great offenses make those choices agonizing to the point that choosing becomes impossible. Want to stop this J.J. Barea, Brandon Wright pick and roll? Most teams would help from the weak side corner, but the Mads have Dirk freaking Nowitzki chilling there. Can't leave the greatest shooting big man ever. Abandoning the guy in the near corner is a general no-no. That leaves Bradley Beal up high, but he doesn't realize his job until Wright has dunked all over the Wizards' collective self-esteem. This is the simple art of the league's most lethal offense, a pick-and-roll monster on pace to challenge the greatest offenses ever. Shift the hair off balance and you're toast. Derrick Rose leans in to stop Tyson Chandler's roll, and that's all Dallas needs to swing into a drive-and-kick sequence that ends with an easy triple. They bend you until you break. When the Mavs really want to be mean, they barely give you time to think. Oh, God, Dirk and Tyson Chandler are setting one big monster pick in transition. What should I do? Who should help on Tyson? Oh, he already dunked again. They want their offense to be unscripted. If they make reads on the fly, you can't know what's coming. The simplicity is beautiful. Take a big man who can screen and dunk and surround him with Dirk and three guys who can drive and shoot. Good luck. What a great way to preserve Dirk's body, by the way. He makes a huge impact just standing around Chandler pick and rolls, sucking one defender away from the paint. But when Dallas really needs him, Dirk is still a killer weapon, a glitch in the system who panics defenses into shredding their playbooks. Does he have a sliver of airspace after he sets a pick? Boom, you're done. He's open. Oh, God, send everyone, even if it leaves the rest of the team open. Dallas might not have enough defense to get through the West, but they're going to make you earn it. All right, since Jalen was mean to me, I want to clear something up. <laughs> Harden was second in defensive win shares. Get your nerdy stats correct. No one cares about James Harden's defense, <laughs> including me. 
<laughs> Do you care about Ryan Rosillo? We rescued Absolutely. him from Bristol. Good to see you. He's here from the oh, SVP and Rosillo yes. show. Dress what nice, timing? Clean. You're from Massachusetts. I'm from Massachusetts. What did you think of the Rondo trade? First of all, are you just going to beat up on him the rest of the show? Is he going to make it through this? Oh, I have you. Now we're two right. on one. I don't know. I don't know if I'm one of your allies in this deal. But are you like, they're done. 2008 <laughs> is done now. Tell them that again. It's just so sad. It's over. Tell them. It. It's over. They might bring back Jane Posey for one day. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, just his, retire the jersey. <laughs> what do you think? You know, this actually makes a lot of sense because when you look at the market for Rondo, it's been a declining market now for a couple years, and there's two major factors. One is the position is loaded right now in the NBA. I never thought Surplus. Rondo was, was a CP3. I never thought he was Westbrook or when Rose was right or even Parker, but people try to argue he's in that group. You start looking at where Rondo fit in now with guys like Wall and Lillard and Lowry and Conley, I didn't even think he was ahead of any of those guys. So you yeah. factor that in that there wasn't great demand and the NBA trade rules that when you're the good team looking to make a playoff run, you don't have to trade any of your good players. So it's just a bunch of pieces. It's short money. It's the draft pick. And I, I think at this point, since he's been on the market for about four years, they understood what was out there for him. So I get it. I get why this and happened. And he's a free agent coming up. Absolutely. Too. So I'm, am I hearing two Celtics fans act like the Celtics did a good deal? No. I think he was leaving, <laughs> and I think they grabbed the best offer, and now they can commence the tanking process. Okay. We'd like to enter our, our the, what, what do we call it, Chocafort for Okafor? <laughs> we're in that now. <laughs> whatever, that, whatever we're calling it, we're in. Okay. Is that good? We're battling you in that. Okay. Baby. You're just lining up. You just want to go at it. Right or ruin now. your day right, for right. Moody A, right? Yes. So, so here's what the Celtics actually did, based on what you said. They took too long to trade Rajon Rondo. It's a great point. Until his value But he diminished. blew it. He had a torn ACL last year. Absolutely. Yeah. So let Bad me tell luck. you what Danny Ainge just did for Rick Carlisle. He did the exact same thing that Mikhail did for him. He put them in a position to win a championship. They're going to be a terrific team in Dallas. He's going to balance the floor. His guy's a floor general. He makes players around him better. Now you're going to see Chandler Parsons on the wing. You'll see Monte Ellis on the wing making plays. I think the Dallas Mavs now are legitimate threat to win the West. So Jalen's point is that the greatest basketball team of all time, the 86 Celtics, still sticks together. Just and keep that's hooking it. each yes, other that's up. That's the last right? word. Of course. That's Just the last word. Um, let's talk about three <laughs> NBA phrases that keep popping up this season. Uh, two of them have a name already, and we have to name the third ourselves. The first one, new owner syndrome. I love new owner syndrome. I've been calling it for Vivek in Sacramento this whole time. Ryan, what happened? I love this. This is so exciting because anytime a guy buys a team, every other GM starts talking to their owners and be like, let's call him immediately and try to dump all our terrible <laughs> players and contracts on him. Rudy Gay. New owners can't help themselves because you think about how successful these guys are in amassing their wealth. So they go, you know what? I'm, I'm the man, and now I'll just buy a team. I'll apply the same analytics, I'll, I'll, the same principles. Right. And I'm I'll just, smart. Right, I made right, money. I'll just go win. And it's like, Four man, versus five is not smart. Right. But, right. but the, model, the model in business allows many companies to be successful. The model in sports really only allows one. And then they finally, find, you know, after a year or so, they're like, you know what, I guess i got to get one of these top ten, top five players in the league. So all of these owners max out terrible guys. They make weird trades. Even Mark Cuban, who we all would sit here and say is a great owner, he's somebody two years in gave Rafe LaFrance a seven-year contract. Right. <laughs> so, I and mean, then, it happens. They can't help themselves. And then new Celtics owner Wick Grossback then traded for the Ray Right, Friends loved contract. it. I mean, yeah. that was Ainge's worst move, yeah. his first one. So it's like a new mate syndrome in theory. When you first meet somebody, I see what you're you meet their representative. Hey, how you doing? Everything is going fine, dandy, great. And then you get to know them and you're like, oh, okay, I met their representative, not actually who they are. See, I was going to say it's like new parent syndrome. 
I think we have just syndromes after syndromes. But, you know, you have your first kid and you're just every part of the kid's life. You're just all over. And, oh, they're, 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 I don't want to leave with the babysitter. Second kid, you're like, eh, whatever. And I think when people buy teams, they just want to be involved in every part of it. And eventually they realize what Cuban realized, what Wick realized. Oh, you know what I should do? Hire basketball people and they can decide for me. And a couple of those basketball people, in particular, Chris Mullen, has a relationship with Mark Jackson. Uh-oh, what are you throwing they out? with St. John's together, correctly. Are you starting a rumor? They both have ties to the Golden State Warriors. Right up the road in Sacramento, it makes sense for me to see Jackson standing on the sideline. I think that would play into what ownership loves, too, as a name. A guy, a name guy, especially when you're trying to build an arena. Make but it a splash. Look, right. If you look at what guys have done, though, even that Atlanta ownership group, which I could never keep track of. Is Danny Ferry right. still on paid administrative leave? <laughs> yes. I'm just saying. I'm okay. just saying. But Joe Johnson got paid twice by those guys. Yeah. Prokhorov comes in and goes, well, I'll just, I'll just throw rubles at the problem. They had $90 million more in luxury tax. Like, seriously, the, the Nets paid $90 million in luxury tax payments. It was almost 30 more million than the rest of the league combined. Even the Warriors, who you like the direction they're headed in now, they maxed out David Lee. You just, you, it's almost a rule. As soon as you sign on to ownership in this league, you have to do something stupid. You can diss the Sixers all you want, but at least their ownership group has a plan. It's what happens when you get new money. I spent $15,000 on a Vert 2 phone. And I never used it. And I still have it. eBay that. You eBay that. <laughs> we have to move on. We have more phrases. Uh, the Celtics spent this summer studying San Antonio's offense. Good idea, right? Well, Good luck Brad with that. Stevens decided that the Spurs play with pace and space, is what he calls it. Uh, push the ball, spread the floor, drives and threes. If you notice, a lot of the best teams now are playing like this. And if you go back to 2002, the World Championships, 2004, the Olympics. This is how we always saw the international teams play. Ryan, is this what the league has become? Well, I think a couple factors have led to this, and you're right. The league has headed in this direction, and that is because it's so hard to really find those guys who can take someone off the dribble and then still finish at the rim as a perimeter player. Those guys are so valuable, a Westbrook type, a Rose type. So you figure with the way defenses have, have evolved the last few years, let's try to get everybody to collapse. Let's kind of these fake threats at the rim and then just yep. kick it out. And the great thing about San Antonio, Jalen, is that they know where everybody is supposed to be. They're passing almost to spots instead of open players. And also, it's a lot easier to follow and come up and then lead and come up with your own style. And the league has become homogenous. Sure. The Memphis Grizzlies don't play like the San Antonio Spurs. So this is good for them. It's, it's actually good. And also, the other thing that the league has done, it's hard to find bigs that are willing to stay on the block and continue to post up and do post moves and get to the free throw line and give you point paints. You have bigs that now want to drift because they pay big men that can make long jump shots. Well, we showed that stat. 20% of all the points scored in NBA games now come from three-pointers. The game has just evolved. If you ever stumble across ESPN Classic or NBA TV, they're showing the hardwood classics. And it's a totally different sport. They're not even really worried about the three-point line. Now everything is driven by the three-point line. And Jalen... I think you might have missed your calling. I think you I were did. born 15 years. You would have loved this style. I absolutely who, who would have loved driving and shooting threes and not playing defense more than you? Every, every, absolutely. <laughs> every time I see Boris Diaw, we're built to life. Uh, so I'm like, yeah. I could be doing what he does. I'll, I'll give you more credit than Boris. <laughs> Maybe not Charlotte Boris. Well, you mentioned Memphis. I think Memphis is the team that's – use a college football analogy for this. They're zagging when everyone else is zigging. Yeah, you know, when the spread offenses, these high-tempo football offenses just started blowing up all over college football, 
you would always go, well, how do you prepare for this different style that week leading up defensively? Well, when everybody starts running it, the more difficult offenses to prepare are the more traditional ones because nobody's running that stuff anymore. So actually, if you think about Memphis, and it could change a little bit in the playoffs, but night in and night out, when you start seeing post play, Zach Randolph just abusing Golden State, granted Bogut wasn't playing, that actually could be more difficult to deal with now because it's such a rarity in today's game. But you know what? The hoop is still 10 feet. And all what? good teams have the same thing in common. They actually move the ball. That happens on good teams. Right. So that's not brain surgery. Like at the all. greatest team of all time, the 86 Celtics, who now helps each other and Bad gives Bajan Rondo for 20 cents on the dollar. Literally. I'm getting mad about the trade. As the <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry. Our, our next phrase I made up, it's called high-end tanking. Um, we have tanking, now high-end tanking. You look at OKC in, December, in November, they stunk. Durant Westbrook came back. Now they're suddenly the scariest eight seed in history. And now you have the high-end teams going, well, wait a second. I don't want to play those guys in first round. Are we going to see high-end tanking in April, jockeying to go from one to two or three? I can't imagine making it through this Western Conference season and then going, we're a top-four seed, we've got home court. Great, the Spurs or the Thunder are our first-round matchup. Awesome. Can we all agree it's way too early to worry about this right now, though? Like, I know one's going to start positioning themselves now. I think it's too early to be worried about this and the MVP talk. Okay. So you just missed like seventy percent of our show. Uh, no, it's just it's just it's just, a, it's just a media thing. Like, let's talk about the All Star game. But first. this this no. See, what about <laughs> the sixteen Olympics? This could be fascinating at the end of the year, though, if you have a team sitting at the two that's that's desperately hoping to get to the four seed right. because of the slow start for Oklahoma City and the way San Antonio goes about their regular season. Not, well, I, I think that part is being overblown. Here's why: because the top seven teams in the West are playing six eighty or better. That means when you go into the last seven or ten days of the season, you losing two or three games can drop you from three to eight. So the high-end tanking is going to be, in effect, the last two games high of end. the season. You like the term, though. I love the It'd term. Be a good production yeah, we're company. a high-end guy. You know, the other thing that's <laughs> happening is we, Popovich started this, and now a lot of the teams are doing it, where it's just like, eh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I'm resting this guy tonight. Eh, fourth game in five nights. Let's throw this one away. I'm going to play my 10th, 11th, and 12th guy. It's kind of genius. Van you Gundy at, loves it. I, I like it, too. Like I, I, I'm a weirdo, but I, I like seeing Aaron Baines play 37 minutes in an NBA game. It's been a dream. I don't like it. As a player that played 83 games in a season, I think— That was a brag. Absolutely. It's, it's a fact, though. I think when people pay for a ticket— when people show up at the arena, if guys are healthy, they should go. It's the same marathon for everyone. How did you play 83 games in a season? Because I was the kind of guy when I got traded from Indiana, yeah. I didn't pick my nose for 48 hours. I drove straight to the Chicago and played the next night. That sounds like a Jalen Rose story time. 36 points, we won the game. But you knew you'd get a lot of shots up with that Chicago roster at the time. I, absolutely. I'm like, I'm on my way. I'm like, I'll be there. I'm going to get I drove myself. Uh, <laughs> called Eddie Robinson. You're like, you're going to be passing to me tonight. Um, all right, well, are you going to console me after the show about the Rondo trade? I'm getting sadder by the minute. I I'm starting to sink in right now. Yeah. No, I've noticed it. I'm going to go on YouTube and watch Barbara Streisand videos. Uh, well, thank you, Ryan. Here at, you. at the Grantland headquarters, we're big fans of comedian Hannibal Burris. He wanted to cover an NBA game like a real reporter, so we got him a press pass. Here's what happened. I'm Hannibal Burris. We are here outside the Smoothie King Center. And this is where the Pelicans play basketball. They're playing the Cavs tonight. We're going to see if Anthony Davis is as good as they say. He's really good. This is a, this is a dumb piece. Let's go in. Oh, man. 
We are here. The Pelicans. The Smoothie King Center. How much do you think Smoothie King paid? I didn't know Smoothie King was doing that well. I knew that the business was doing all right. I thought they were doing all right in the same way that a nail salon does all right. What's up, man? <laughs> this dude, show them that. He's wearing a Pelicans jersey with a LeBron James All-Star jersey under it. This guy's wearing two jerseys. Doesn't know who to root for. Nonsense. The big intros at the basketball like, ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Davis. And it's just like, why are you introducing him like I haven't just watched him shoot jump shots for the past 25 minutes? <laughs> oh. The end of the half. Two minutes left. Two minutes, 30 seconds left. Davis plays the first few minutes of the first quarter, and we haven't seen him since. I don't think. Is he hurt or diarrhea or something? If Davis doesn't get back out there soon, this is going to be just a, another one of those LeBron is really dope stories. <laughs> Pelicans won. Hey, LeBron. No. I was going to tell him, LeBron, even though this happened today, I feel like things are still going to work out for you. <laughs> we had 114 points, so I don't think it was due to their defense as much as it was due to their offense and our lack of defense. Coach. Yes, sir. Uh, even though you guys lost the game, is there still a part of you that thinks, hey, man, it's just a game. Life is pretty chill otherwise. You know, I think you ought to write a song about that. That's a, that sounds like a good song. Yeah. No, I'm a basketball coach, and unfortunately, I do not have that luxury. Oh. You know, we, we, uh, we live hard, work harder, and we die young. And games like this contribute heavily to our early demise. Got <laughs> <laughs> to wrap it up, Coach. Thank you. Thank you. The game is over. Pelicans won. Lost. Ryan Anderson was draining threes. Tyreek Evans was getting to the bucket. It was a solid team effort. Anthony Davis only played a few minutes. He was gone early in the first quarter. It was a good time. Thank you, Grantland. Well, it's time for America's favorite new running segment. Except for my dad, who still doesn't understand what keeping it 100 means. <laughs> Explain it to him for 25 minutes. It didn't work out. Make sure uh, you ask him, does he know whose beat that is playing in the background? He, w he will not know. Okay. He will definitely, <laughs> unless it was Coldplay, he wouldn't know. Uh, first up, keeping it 100, Russell Westbrook. Let's get it. And this is time to keep it 100 with the media for flip-flopping on Russell Westbrook. Newsflash, he's not changed. You've changed. Everyone acting like the player I call Furious Styles is brand new. Oh, now he's the most athletic. Oh, now he's all NBA. Oh, now he's a top 10 performer. Well, guess what? He's been all that. And to keep it 100, he's a top five player in the NBA. Next shout to Chris Rock. Next up, LeBron James. Let's hear what he had to say. LeBron, are you embarrassed by this loss? No. Do you only ask negative questions? No, that, oh. those are coaches' words. Oh. To keep it 100, I wasn't supposed to talk, but 
I'm the co-host of this show. <laughs> this one is about LeBron James. Yes, they lost a regular season game to the Atlanta Hawks, and somebody stuck a microphone in his face and asked him, was he embarrassed? We're talking about embarrassed? Losing a game in December? Well, how did you expect them to act? They just got bounced by 30 points to the Hawks. That's not time for cheering and charming. He was embarrassed by the decision. He was embarrassed in the finals when he caught a cramp. Well, what about Kobe? Let's keep it 100 about Kobe being Bryant. Anyone watching this program that's played basketball has actually yelled and or trash-talked their own teammates. Like EA Sports, it's in the game. I have not been to a practice (laughs) where a a player didn't trash-talk one another. However, to keep it 100, Bill, I've never, ever, ever, ever seen a player scream at the gym like he did Mitch Kupchak. I'm just keeping it 100. Can I keep it 100 for a second? Yes. You, you screwed up from a TV standpoint, your LeBron segment. Can we finish it? No. Because you were 78% there. Hold on. The I, last part, hold on. The last part is he's standing there with a huddle. In a huddle, he's got 20 people pointing. He's What is he wearing, a towel? It, absolutely. What's it like to be in that situation? Well, you walk in from the shower to your locker, and you see 50 people standing at your locker. What a lot of guys do is just go in another area of the building and change. Like, just let them stay there, and you try to find a way to cool off. Do your but mean I, thing. Go I, ahead. I just got a tweet. From Tommy Heinsohn. What did he say? He says, Brandon Knight is the next Bill Russell. He called him Brandon Knight. His name's Brandon Wright. Oh, yeah. Come on, Tommy. (sighs) (laughs) Can we throw to uh, Jalen Rose story time, please, and find out what happened? Your greatest. I know I was getting ejected on Christmas Day. I would have made it worth it. I would have let somebody bowl me upside of my head and not do nothing. I love playing on Christmas. On Christmas Day, you got to get your hair right, your gear right, your shoes right, the suit that you're wearing to the game. got to be cleaning in the board of health. You got to be tight on Christmas Day. Everybody's watching. Well, anytime you're a member of the Pacers and you're going against the Knicks, it's going to be a physical game. It'll be a lot of trash talking. You're going to get hard fouls. It just came with the territory. Then it sprinkled to young pups like myself who got a chance to be a part of the rivalry. There I am. Pat you and Mr. Baseline Jumper. And get the board. Look at a quick tip. Mark Jackson, get off of me. Boom, shoulder me. Oh, he bowls me again. Bowls me again. And then it becomes an NBA. (laughs) Hold me back. Kurt Thomas said that I was some little punk that acts like I'm tough. I didn't act tough at all. I didn't throw an elbow. I didn't throw a shoulder. I didn't throw a punch. I was trying to save myself some fine money, and I was trying not to be ejected on Christmas Day. If I thought I was going to get ejected by letting somebody elbow me in the head two times, here's what I would have done. I would have looked left. Where's Dale? Look right. Where's Antonio? Then I would have gave him a two-piece. One with the right and then one with the left. And then yelled, hold me back. (laughs) You know the real problem with Kurt Thomas that day? It was not me. Look at them cornrows. They was barely making it. Like the struggle braids, as we call them. Your hair is truly not long enough to have them. So you want to represent like Spreewell. You want to be Allen Iverson. But they're so tight, and people have to just pull and pull and pull till they finally get braided, and then it just wrinkles your forehead, and it pulls your eyes all the way back. I think they were so tight, they was impairing this judgment. I really believe that. The bottom line, we were rivals. The Pacers didn't like the Knicks and vice versa. It was no big deal. I played with Kurt in Phoenix and we laughed and joked about this a million times. We 100. It's all good. 
I'm done. Well, as promised, he's a diehard Knicks fan. He's tired of losing. He's ready to commit a homicide and throw his acting career down the drain. Michael Rappaport, are you okay? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm a little uh, shock, shock and awe. I mean, I, no one would have predicted that the Knicks would have started like this. So shock and awe. I'm a little shocked and awed by the whole thing, the whole spectacle. I think what should initially have happened was Phil should have coached the team in this transition year, allowed Derek Fisher to be the associate head coach, ease them into the transition period. Now when you have guys that aren't engaged, a roster full of players in the last year of their contracts, they still will be competitive for one of the best guys to ever do it. But he didn't want those losses on his record. Well, I, I think what should have happened is Mark Jackson should have been hired. Oh. They should have taken him off uh, uh, the bench in Charlotte from doing uh, you know, Patrick shot charts. Yeah, Patrick Ewing should have should, you know, <laughs> Mark Jackson should have been hired. Then they should have taken Patrick Ewing off the bench in Charlotte so he doesn't have to do shot charts for Born Ready. Give him some <laughs> dignity or send him, let him go to Jamaica and chill because he deserves more. He deserves more. Brought in John Starks, maybe Billy Martin, a couple of other people. <laughs> I'm saying there's, a, there's plenty of other people we could have brought. Imagine if Robert De Niro was the coach of the Knicks this year. We could still be 5-22 and 22 in and people would be, it'd be, it'd be great. Now, that would be incredible. I think you actually would still be 5-22 and 22 with, with Robert De Niro. Bob D would be good. You'd get Al Pacino as his assistant. We'd be in good shape. <laughs> uh, Phil Jackson couldn't have coached the team because he's not in New York all the time. You actually have to be where the game is being played to coach the team. But that's the difference. They needed him to be invested, boots on the ground, not necessarily being an overseer. And remember, they play on the East Coast. Train rides to Boston and Philly. Close plane rides to Toronto and Detroit. So it actually could have been a, a pretty easier transition for Derek Fisher. Are you mad at Steve Kerr that he uh, spurned the Knicks and yeah. his mentor Phil Jackson and went to Golden State where yeah. they're on pace for like 78 wins? Yeah, I am. <laughs> You're still mad, mad at him? Yeah, you I think am he made the wrong choice? I am mad at Steve Kerr. I think he made the right choice, though. Of course he made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, he made the right choice. But you know what? He, he, you know, I know he's giving all the credit to Mark Jackson and. You know, yeah, he made the right choice. Uh, do you, either of you hold it against Carmelo Anthony for the fact that he signed, he took all this big money, and then he does the ESPN magazine thing about how great his business is, his 11-story <sighs> office, I'm not just about basketball. Uh, you, don't you have to make the finals at least once before you start talking about the rest of your life? Uh, you know, written articles these days, I don't, I don't take that. I, I, I don't hold it against I'm a writer. Me. I take that personally. No, but I'm saying, like, if you're doing an interview, it's out of context. They're going to skew it how they want to skew it. He probably did say those things. There's probably 400 other things he that he did said like that didn't make the article. He did, like, a photo shoot for it. So what? So what? LeBron, you know, LeBron does photos. He, I can't even I watch a game. He does commercials back to back to back. No celebrity basketball player athlete has ever done three commercials, and then i got to go back to watch him playing. That is true. Is this the triple crown, Jalen? Here, here's the thing for Melo. He's invested in playing basketball for the Knicks, and it was a smart business decision. Why would you go to Chicago and get $75 million, but you could play in New York and get 125 Nobody is turning down $50 million. Here's why it wasn't a smart business yeah, decision, and this is why I'm dubious of Carmelo's business acumen. So uh, if he had done a, acumen, that's a big you. word, man. <laughs> if he had done a two-year contract... 
and then had an out in 2016 when the cap goes crazy, he would have been worth $40 million a year. So he actually left money on the table. He could have played in Chicago these two years, tried to win a title. Yo, what you just said, that's like Mandarin Chinese. It's 2016 (laughs) and the four. I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm glad he's with us. I'm happy he's there. He plays hard. And Mm. it it, it would be like if he left, it'd be like the circus coming to town with no trapeze artists. Thank God he stayed. I got an asterisk for you. Somebody played a lot of basketball. Those aches and pains turn into injuries when your team is off to the franchise worst start in history. Oh, you're saying you know, so a couple of injuries. Get ready to go to the garden, and he's over there in a, a nice suit. Well, it's, I mean, and not had, joining the huddles. You've had a lot of rock bottoms. This, does this even rank in the top five? Because at least you yeah. have a first-round pick this year. Yeah, no, it ranked. So what? First-round pick? <laughs> these guys are all coming out. None of them are going to Who's the protege that's coming out of college that's going to really help a team win? Mm. Who's the real first-round pick? That's going to really help. Okafer? What's he going to do? Well, he's going to be Probably a player. be a franchise player. Hey, he's yeah, after be a player. three years when he learns to play basketball. And you don't have time. You're on a schedule. We're on a schedule. No, I'm saying. Then it's like, you know, these guys are coming into the NBA completely underdeveloped, and it's now you get them, and you have to wait three years for them to prosper and be great. Can right? I tell you something? Even if, Anthony Davis. Can I tell you something that fans don't want to hear? The Knicks know you guys still going to come to the Garden. They know the nostalgia still exists. Yeah. You want to be on camera. You want to have your gym shoes squeaking and yelling at the officials, even though your team only has five wins. So we can put a crap team out there, and you're still going to support us. He just How about called that? you a sucker. <sighs> you know, well, you know what? Even we, we, If I'm a sucker, then what's LeBron to come watch the team play when he's not playing the Knicks? Well, <laughs> if I'm a sucker, why is LeBron showing up when he could be at Book of Mormon or eating sushi somewhere watching the Knicks? We heard that you didn't like the animations that we do on the Grand Basketball Show, so we made one for you. What do I got? Let's watch it. You hook me up? Yeah. <laughs> There's you. That's Supposedly cool. you. You're watching TV. Oh, you're That's getting mad. really good That's animation. another Knicks game. You're not. Oh no. Oh no. You're mad. <laughs> no, that's good. So this is, now you turn the Grantland show and you and you hate animations. Oh, now you get really. I like mad. this. This Look is this. good. This is so meta. I like this. Oh my God. Uh oh. No, I hope it's said Oh no. A Jack and Scanners. Yeah. So that was our present to you. You hate Grantland animations. You hate watching the Knicks. <laughs> it was a perfect. Storm. That was good. And then the Jalen with the braids. You guys yeah. stepped up the animation. Hey, thanks. We're trying. No, Rap it's good. Report. Good luck, buddy. I'm sorry you didn't win 20 games. Of course, man. Uh, We'll be back after this. Well, it's a special holiday mailbag. Look at this, Jalen. Props. I love it. I have to turn a key and not hurt my hand. And we got some some emails. I actually need to go to the the postal service. Why? Because I want to forward my mail. I do a lot of traveling. No, I come back. I have stacks of mail. I don't want anybody steal my mail or anything. It's You're cutting into our time here. Here's the first question: What's worse for Jalen, getting coal in a stocking or being a Pistons fan? Ouch! Definitely getting coal in the stocking. Here's why: For everybody that want to judge my Pistons, just fall back and chill. We're not the Knicks with a bunch of guys who we felt like we're going to have an average season and possibly make the AFC. Stan Van Gundy's going to turn his fortune, the fortunes of our franchise around. All right. And you said I'm pathetic for being a Celtic fan. Uh, <laughs> what does LeBron James want for Christmas? He wants peace, love, and harmony when he returns to Miami. A standing ovation with every person in the building is oh, what please. he wants when he returns to Don't Miami. Care. I think he wants his explosiveness back. <laughs> when did he become when did he become kind of the pseudo below the rim guy? You're not backing me on that? Alright. Uh. Next one. 
Who will have more DMPs this season, Derrick Rose or Dwayne Wade? Definitely. Dwayne Wade's in the lead. Dwayne Wade. Um, he's older. His body has been through a lot more minutes. So, and he already has a couple of championships. Yeah. I think D. Rose has a lot more to still prove he's still hungry. That's kind of a stealth tanking threat too, Miami. If things go south, I think all of a sudden everybody will get those aches that yeah. you talked about earlier. Uh, next one. What are the odds on Kobe knocking out Swaggy P before the All-Star break? <laughs> and also, can he be the, the cherry picker in Sacktown's four versus five? I like that idea. He hasn't already knocked them out? No. It's oh, a- I thought that's already happened. The he- media will cover that up. Here's the thing. Kobe Bryant's a terrific scorer, and Nick Young is a really confident in himself. Yes. The problem with his game is the best thing he does is actually score, which gets in the way of Kobe Bryant. Can, but, you, can you just admit you don't totally like Nick Young because he gave himself a nickname, and that's one of your rules? Don't date a celebrity and don't give yourself I'm a nickname? I'm not going to call him that nickname until I see him score 20-plus in a playoff right. game. Could Kevin Durant become the best player to never hold, definitively hold the best player in the planet title. It's going from LeBron to possibly Anthony Davis right now, just skipping Durant. It's not skipping Durant. Here's why. Anthony Davis, while he's a terrific prospect, and if you was drafting a team, you would definitely take him in the top two or three. There's something called the playoffs that he has to lead his team to. Kevin, Dur- Kevin Love had to do it. Mm-hmm. We expect that out of our top players. That's the next step for Anthony Davis. All right, here's the next one. Please, for God's sake, can you say something about the UConn-Duke game that's coming up right now on ESPN? John Skipper from Bristol, Connecticut. I think that's our boss. And he went to Carolina. And yeah. he wants us to talk about Duke, and rightfully so. Okafor is a terrific player. He had 20-20 recently, and he's probably one of the reasons why the Celtics continue to tank. And I'm going to be watching him now. You <laughs> might be on my team next year. Come on, Okafor. Uh, last one. Big more for Okafor. What's the last one? Can Jalen please sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, please? Actually, he can't. We don't have the rights to that. But we I do have the rights to Jingle Bells. I can sing Christmas in Hollis. We don't have the rights to Mom that either. Mom, cook a chicken. Call I, I wish you could. I wish you could. What about Jingle Bells? Jingle Bell, Jingle. I love this time of year. You know that? You're in the holiday spirit. I am. And you're going to South Beach for Christmas for Lost our NBA for- tuple header.